Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. So if you're um, this morning, I want to um, talk to you about this idea of the spheres of existence. Uh, it's this idea that, you know, um, uh, we all exist in different roles and different realities, um, you know, in our lives. Like, if you're a parent in here, you're not just you, you're not just like, you know, I'm not just Dane, but I'm also Dane, the father of Cole, Chase, and Camilla. You know, add your job in there and you would say like your job title into that. And even if you're a part of this church and you have a role in your church, there's these different spheres in which you exist, right? And, and what I want us to look at is... Um, uh, this question that we've all been asked, and it's probably the most important question that you can ask or, or you can ever answer in your life. Um, the question is, who am I? Right? You know, like, it could be a beautiful Casting Crown song. It could be like, you know, just like the theme of a movie, of a coming of age story, of a person like realizes who they are, right? Um, but if someone were to ask you who you are, what would you say? Now, just like think about it for a second. Now, most of us would define who we are with the starting point in relation to some sort of reference point, in relation to somebody else. I'm this person's dad, or I'm this person's son. Or, you know, we would go to our job. My job is, if you would ask like who you are. Classic small group question, like I'm this, and then say something about yourself. Most of the time, like your first thing that you would say about yourself is who you, how you define yourself. You know what I mean? Like a guy came into church uh, the other day, and I was like, hey, uh, I'm Dane. He's like, hi, my name's Bob. I was like, Bob, what are some of the things you like to do? He's like, I like to hunt, and I like to fish. And I'm like, you like to kill stuff. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with it, because I like to eat stuff. And if you like to eat stuff, you need the person that likes to kill stuff in order to eat the stuff. Amen? Like that, that, that's just how it works. It's a beautiful marriage. It works, you know? Um, but like, that's, you know, that's what he's like. This is who I want you to understand. This is the sphere in which I exist. Um, now, as much as I like to think of ourselves as individuals and forego all of the spheres of our lives and our responsibilities, we do well to recognize all these other spheres as, as, as a blessing. And we're going to see this in Psalm chapter uh, 128. We're going to see how um, when we live according to God's purposes, we can expect his blessings in every sphere that we exist in. Would you read it with me? We're going to be in uh, Psalm chapter um, 128. It reads like this. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Short psalm, right? But I want you to see, like, like you know, even in the, like, the shortness of it, I want you to see, like, the, uh, um, the progression that happens here. It starts with saying, like, pointing to somebody as an individual, somebody as a, as a person, as, as a man, as a woman. It says, like, blessed is you, blessed is this person if they have a healthy fear of God. 
And that's what we're going to talk about most of our time. But it moves from there and saying, if, if, you have, if you have a healthy fear of God, if you have a recognition of God, if you have a relationship with God, then it's going to move to your family. See, if somebody as an individual has a, has, a, has a recognition and a reverence towards God, then that's going to have an impact and it's going to play out in their family with those that they're closest to, with those that live in their households. It may not always go as, as great. That doesn't mean that they're all going to be like, you know, like, like just like you or anything, but, but your influence matters to the people around you. I hope you believe that this morning. And then it moves from there and even saying like, hey, listen, it's going to play out in your church. If you as an individual... Have, like, have a healthy fear of God, and that you know, overflows into your household, and that household overflows into your church, the church is gonna be blessed. You, you can't have a church unless you have healthy families, and not just like everybody looks like great and everything's going on like we see on TV. No, people that love Jesus, people that go through real stuff, and they have a healthy fear of God while they're going through real stuff. Healthy, somebody who has a healthy fear of God Family that has a healthy fear of God that goes through tough times, that goes into a, moves into a church. So what happens from the church? Well, if you have a, a church that, I don't know, is a church and, and has, a, has a fear of God and, and has a, 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 is going after Jesus and, and does the three, three things that Scott talked about, know it and live it and gives it away, then what happens to the society, to the neighborhoods, to the communities, to the cities, to the states? Then... That's how we go from the innermost sphere of our own existence to the sphere of our family, to the sphere of our church, to the sphere of our societies. Now let me ask you a question, and here's why I have to go after this. I don't know how often I've gone down the, the, uh, the dark trains of, of, of social media. It's, it's so great right now. I, got, like, I did something on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook is suspended for some reason, so <laughs> I don't know what I did, but... I'm, I'm an enemy of Facebook right now. But sometimes, like, I, I'm, I'm glad about it because, you know, for, at least for however long it happens. Um, I don't know if you ever go down, like, through the scrolling and you see how depraved our society is and how fallen we are. And then we would just point to, if, if something would just happen in this sphere, if something would just happen in our government, if something would just happen in our media, if something would just happen here, then everything would be better. We just need to get rid of this person and maybe replace them with this person. Or maybe this just needs to be different. Or maybe they should just turn off this. They should just cancel that show. They should just get rid of this. Then everything would get better. What God is telling us is we're worried about working from the outside in when we should be worrying about working from the inside out. That, sure, fine, hate it. Be, be mad at it. But just don't spend so much time there. Because you've got to worry about being an impact. And you have to worry about your own fear the Lord. You have to worry about your family and that, that they have a reverence towards God. You have to worry about your, you know, making sure that you're part of your church and know it living and giving it away here so that as a church, we can move into the societies and the communities and the cities and the states that we live in. And then maybe over a long period of time, we'll see some change, right? At least for the kingdom's sake, we'll see some change. Um, so when we look at that, I want us to, to, to focus on that. I can't say like we need to focus on the, on the main thing or the first thing without focusing on the first thing. Um, I, the, the, this passage starts out like this. How uh, blessed is he who, um, who fears the Lord. Um, I love um, the CSB version says it, even, uh, says it even different. It even breaks it down um, even farther than that. It says happy. I don't know if like, if sometimes it feels like we're not allowed to say the word happy in church. Like, God doesn't care about our happiness, you know. Uh, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord? That there's joy in it. 
that it's, it's something that's going to actually like heighten your spirits, like that God cares about our emotions, that it'll actually go well for you, that you'll enjoy what you're, what, what's happening. You'll actually like, you know, uh, it'll brighten your day. You'll, you'll like, you'll find value in it. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Here's what you need to understand, folks. God's goal is that every person learns to take him seriously and to govern himself or himself under God's divine rule. That's God's goal in, in, in our lives. That's what he wants from us, that we would learn how to take him seriously and how to govern himself or herself under his divine rule. But how do we do that? What does it look like to take God seriously as an individual? What does it look like to, to govern ourselves inside of God's divine rule? There's two words that I think speak to this, and these are not fun words. Like if, like if I was in youth group right now, this would be like they're like, you're talking the same things that my mom told me 12 times this week. Um, it's commitment and accountability. <laughs> Maybe it hurts adults too. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe this was an argument on the way in. Who cares? Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, commitment and accountability. Let's talk about commitment first. Um, commitment is defined as the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity. Right? Uh, I remember when I was in, when I was in sports, uh, I remember I went to a, um, a, on, a, on a college visit for basketball, and they have like this quote um, of, uh, from Michael Jordan. He was going to like the Gatorade campus, and he was talking about commitment and he was saying like, he gave like a similar definition as this, but they said he gave this quote while watching Mia Hamm, um, you know, famous probably, I don't know, if she, I'm scared to say it because I don't know, uh, but one of the best soccer players in our uh, country of all time, like with her like exhausted, like bent over, and this was before practice, just like when you love something so much that it gets all of your dedication. Uh, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were gonna do long after the mood you set it in has left you. That's what commitment is. Let me say that again. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you said you, were, uh, you said it in is gone. You know, um, I've been married for 11 years. And um, if you were, my wife was here to give a review, she would say like, I'm committed to him even when um, I don't feel like it. You know what I mean? Because them dishes be in that sink for a little bit, you know? like. And it's NBA playoff times, like, I'm just kind of like, I'm like, babe, listen, I understand, like, I, like that, that Jimmy from school said something, so, she's a teacher, that Jimmy from school said something to make you mad, but LeBron's about to, like, tie this game up in any minute now, just <laughs> commitment, you know what I mean? <laughs> My commitment to LeBron, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> commitment comes up a lot in conversation about relationships. You hear um, most men saying, I, I would date her, I would marry her, but I'm scared of the hair in the sink. No, I'm just kidding. Commitment. I'm scared of commitment. Um, what's actually being said is, I'm scared to say yes to something now that I might regret later. While it may be annoying, you know, props to the men who, who take their time and wait until they're, they're able to have the foresight to say a decision to be with this woman will be one that is good for both of us, both of us, long after I made the limited commitment. See, a lot of times, like, we, we make commitments to things that just don't have, that, that shouldn't have that much weight on our lives, that much bearing on our lives, but it's gonna last long. Anybody ever have a car note? <laughs> you know? Like, 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 just, like, sometimes we just, like, 
we, we put ourselves in, in um, the spaces to make commitments that we just, we just don't have the bandwidth for. When it comes to taking God seriously, we have to have that, that sense of commitment. On the other side, um, think of what, uh, when a, a, high, a high prospect, a, a high school athlete decides where to go to school. What's it called? It's called committing to a school. Even anybody going to college, like you're going to commit to where you're going to spend the next four years or more of your life. Um, here's the problem with committing in this way. It's not actual commitment. They should call it intention. Now, like this is where I intend to go. Even now, it's even crazier where they have the transfer portal where, where, you're, where you go, you can actually switch where you want to go. And, and then if you want to go play with this coach because this coach likes you and they got a better facility, I, I'm just going to intend to do this for now. Because at best, a student's announcement, when they have their whole family gather around them and they pick a hat to put on um, and recruiting time, um, it's not their, their sincere commitment, it's just their intention. So the commitment is no longer that I will come and stay, but rather where I'll start. Man, we, have a, we live in a, in a society, we live in a culture where people are willing to start a lot of things. You want to come ride around Baltimore with me? You see a lot of people that like got into house flipping during 2020. You know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people who who committed, but it actually just started some stuff. There are a lot of half-built things. I wonder if, if if any of us like whether it was this year or last year that we started to walk down. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take God seriously. I'm gonna take my faith seriously. Did you get past just starting? Oh, you started, you started coming to church. You're like, hey, there's a ch like, that church that was meeting at the school they went and met at that other church, and now they're back at that school. Now that they're back, I'm going to start going there. Well, have you gotten involved yet? Like, are you just coming to church? I can say this because I'm leaving after service, you know. <laughs> um, I, I wonder if you're just starting. And, 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 and you praise God that he gives us the, the time to, to progress. He gives us time to, to work our way in. But just let this be the nudge that uh, um, don't just be the folks that just started. Like the God has so much more for you. And, and blessed is he who has, a, who has a fear of the Lord. When we think about what it means to take God seriously, are you more like the boyfriend thinking about commitment or the athlete committing to a school? We must believe that the promise hinges on the fulfillment of the command. Think about the passage. That we, we got to believe that the promise hinges on the fulfillment of the command. The passage tells us that um, blessed is he who fears the Lord. That there's a command in there. That, that we have to have a healthy fear of him. That we have to have a connection with him. That we have to have a pursuit of him. You know? Like, like think about the conversation that uh, Moses had with God. It was, the problem wasn't that he wasn't scared. <laughs> Initially, there's a bush talking. You know, like, where I'm from, bushes just don't talk. Um, and it's on fire. That, that, that part's important, too. Um, and, and God is giving him commands. And, and, and Moses is scared. And, but even in his fear of, of this, you know, supernatural thing. What's up, bud? Hey. All right. Um, that was weird. Um, so even with the, you know, even with, like, the supernatural uh, 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 Bush talking to him and, and telling him things and, and, and giving him commands. He's still scared of the circumstance more he is of the person in the bush. But what am, I, 
I, I, don't, I, I don't know if you've heard me talk. I, I got a speech impediment. What if they don't listen to me? Who should I say sent me? All of these excuses speaking to is fear of the circumstance over the, the fear of what happens when I don't obey the burning bush. And the burning bush is claiming to be God, by the way. See, see I think a lot of times, like, you know, like, we, we even could match up God's commands and what we know to do. If you've been following Jesus for a while, like you know that God has some things that he just wants us to do. God wants us to lean into his, you know, like what he wants us to do. He wants us to hold us accountable, like what we're talking about here in a second. But then it, it still can't match up to the fear of how do, we, how do we do this? How does this play out in our communities? How does this play out in our culture? How does this play out against measuring up what I want to do? I mean, the biggest opponent in your life sometimes isn't even Satan, it's, it's you. It, 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 it's your will against God's. When we think about what it means to take God seriously, we got to believe that the promise hinges on the fulfillment of the command. I mean, Scripture has so much to say about commitment. Proverbs 16:3: Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Like, like if I would, if I would, you know, give God what I'm doing. If I would hand God, says like, hey, listen, God, like, this, is, this is what I, I think I'm supposed to be doing. Here's how I'm pursuing my life. Here's how I'm leading my family. Here's how I'm approaching my work. Does this please you? Better question would be like, God, here's my skills. This is what you've given me. How can you use it to, uh, to best bless you? When we do that, your plans will be established. Now, anybody ever like, try to make plans for something and you're like, I plan this the best that I can and I still don't know if it's going to work. I know I did. I just, I just told you about it with, with, with planning a church. Like, like the part I didn't tell you, I, I, we, um, we were trying to sell our house from uh, like June of 2019. We finally sold our house in February of 2020. We moved in to our house the first week of March of 2020. Anything else happen to anybody that, that same, the same time period? Oh, everything was cool up here? That was fine? <laughs> same thing? We should compare notes. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm just like, I, there was just sometimes, I would love to tell you that we were just praising God through it, that we had these best attitudes. I would love to tell you that every time I talked to Scott, I was like, you know, this God is just doing some things and he's just doing, <laughs> no, that was not my attitude. I was like, I don't understand. What, I, I could have just stayed. I could have just, you know, done this for another year at a better timing. But it, it, it doesn't, for me, like, it, it, it took, it took, a year, at least a year, to understand that his timing is better than mine. <laughs> that while he's working in the background, like, he, like even the things that will be coming in the next year, the try of, we would have failed, I think. Where that God had to make me the leader that he needed, to be, uh, he needed me to be. That I needed not just care about doing this, but actually engaging with people. Some of the hardest conversations you have to have is when you're knocking door to door, telling people that you're playing a church and they're like, you're not six feet away from me. Matter of fact, you look sketchy. Go 12 feet away from me <laughs> and your kids. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, what, what God had to do during that time period. I know sometimes it's hard to talk about, like, if there's any blessings in COVID. I know it's painful for a lot of us. Like, we lost people. But if God did, did anything in that season, God showed us that we weren't ready to go and do what he had called us to do. And it took a time period of moving us from where we were at to where he needed us to be so we could be there for us to learn. You ever wonder why the burning bush wasn't in Egypt? Did they not have any bushes in Egypt? No, God had to take Moses away from there. It maybe was just for this divine appointment. I'm sure he learned about some shepherding too. He was going to have to shepherd a lot of people across the sea. 
But I, I, I just think that for, for a lot of us, um, we don't see that when we commit our work to the Lord and, uh, that our plans will be established. Psalms 37, 5 says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Every passage that we already know really well um, does, uh, does, this, uh, does this not speak to the idea of commitment. Psalms twenty two thirty seven says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. Does this not speak to commitment? I mean, maybe it's just like, like, it's saying that you have to put your all into it. This isn't just, uh, I was playing with the, uh, in the pool with my kids uh, a couple days ago. Kids don't want you to just put your feet in. You gotta, you gotta jump in like they do. And I can't jump like I used to. Like, you know, like you, you have to be all into this. We must recognize that our commitment to live according to God's agenda is essentially our worship and recognition of our belief. We live out our commitment because we trust him as our Lord and Savior. Also, our commitment to live according to God's purpose puts us in position to experience his goodness. That's what our commitment does. It, it, it showcases our belief. It puts on display like, God, I believe in you because I've committed to you. It, it's not always easy. It's not always how I, intend, like, how I would have intended to commit to you, but I, I'm showing you my belief. This is my, my worship on display is that I'm committed to you. In the rough times when you're asking, when it seems like you're asking too much, this is, this is more than, than this family over here is committed, at least by my standards, but I'm, 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 I'm committed to you. Like this is, this is our worship on display. But when we do that, it puts you in the best position to experience God's goodness, to experience God's blessing. Has this not been like what's happened on every single like missions trip or outreach you've been on? Oh, so God calls you to go do something hard, go to a hard place, go do a hard thing, right? And you're out here outside of your comfort zone. Does God not bring opportunities and bring ministry to your front door? or bring it right into, in front of your face. I think sometimes like we don't experience God's goodness because God's goodness lots of times is served outside of our comfort zones. There's not an angel waiter coming around to your table with, with God's goodness. <laughs> Get outside of your comfort zone, you know? I grew up in the DC area. We didn't like Baltimore very much. God's called me to witness to Ravens fans. They are a dedicated people. <laughs> I have men like six days a week, like, like grunt at me as I say good morning to them. But on Sunday, they are very jolly and purple. <laughs> I don't get it. That's what God's called us to. God calls us out of our comfort zone and, and we've, we, we're able to see God's goodness clearly because we're outside of our comfort zone. I, that, that's what happens when we commit to him. Um, then there's the idea of accountability. So we have commitment and then we also have accountability. Accountability is an insurance that an individual or an organization will be evaluated on their performance or behavior related uh, for, to something which they are responsible. Accountability is the answer to the question of what does it look like to govern ourselves under, uh, under God's divine rule? What does it look like? I mean, like, I know we grew up in a Christian culture where we're like, who's going to hold me accountable? And that's great. If you have that person, if you have somebody who's like, you know, like that cares about you and your, and your walk with the Lord and you and your ability to flee from sin and pursue righteousness, that's great. But, but you know who that person is subject to? Your own self. It's great to have that person, but they're not going to stand before God for you. You are. 
it's great. Like, I, I, care, I care deeply about, there's some brothers in my life that, like, I care deeply about, about their salvation and their pursuit of righteousness. But they have to do that more than I do. Each and every one of us, like, we, we have to hold ourselves accountable. We, we have to be a whole Christian so that we can hold others accountable and that others can hold us. This is how that, that idea of the sphere of the church. Um, accountability, um, we, all have to t- we have to take accountability. While we should think about accountability basically as the idea of being able to govern ourselves, I want to show you it as a process to help us not only uh, in other areas of our lives, like school or work, but, but most, most importantly as it relates to our willingness and ability to govern ourselves under God's divine rule. So it starts like this. We need the eyes and courage to see it. We need the eyes and, 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 uh, and courage to see it. And here's what I mean by it. It is whatever is in our way that, you know, we got to take responsibility for. It could be the, the work that God wants us to do. It could be our own jobs. It could be like just the responsibilities in our lives. It could just be the, the tough things that, you know, like that, that, are put in our, um, uh, that are put in our way that God even wants us to deal with. It also could be sin. It also could just be the, the, the weight and sin that God's just calling us to, to, uh, to, to get out of our way. Whatever it is, I know for, for me, some of the hardest parts of it is just willing to look at it. Um, if I could like say this as like confession to you, um, one of the hardest things since, uh, since COVID happened in, in, in 2020, we lost my dad and my uncle. And since then, my grandfather has just like had a slow decline um, my, my grandfather is, a, is an older Jamaican man. He moved here in his 50s and hasn't lost like a percentage of his, of his accent. Um, and he loves Jesus, um, and, but he loves jerk chicken more, you know. Um, and I have, I, I've had, you know, like my stepdad's been part of my life for a long time and I've had a rocky um, um, but rebuilt relationship with my, uh, with my biological father, praise God for that. But he's been steady. He's, he's been there my whole life. Um, but I've had a really hard time. He's living in a, um, uh, um, a rehab uh, center um, at this point in life. And I have a hard time going to see him. I, I, I know as a pastor, that's, that's supposed to be job one, right? Like you're, you're supposed to go and, and visit and, 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 to sit and to shut in and stuff. And I don't have a problem with everybody else, but I have a hard time with this man who was like Jamaican Superman to me. You know, like he'll mow your lawn, fix everything in your house, then you make you dinner and it'll be delicious. And like, I know that's, that's responsibility and that's a weight, but in my own emotions, in my own, just like, like I, I will convince myself that I have so many other things to worry about. I have so many other things I need to do, but I gotta get ready for Sunday. I gotta make sure that the taxes, like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put everything else in front of it and say that, I, just to say that I don't do that. Just to say that I don't go and visit. Just to say that I don't go and sit with him. Knowing better. So what I mean about like the eyes and courage to see it, I, I want to encourage you, and God just kind of put this on my heart as I was coming up here. I think a lot of times we, we uh, regret having the eyes to see things because we know when we look at certain things, it's going to make us cry. It's going to bring emotion to us. I, I bet you there's folks in here that you're just like me where there's things that you haven't dealt with and God's called you to kind of look at because you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there emotionally. You don't want to have to deal with it. But I want to, like, to kind of, like, in the bigness of the question, not to be tricky, 
Is that really holding yourself accountable? You know that you know you know that there's things that you have to deal with and that you know that just the responsibility that God's put in your life that you have to deal with, but they're hard things to deal with. There's just, there's just toughness in the realness of those situations. I know my grandfather not, is not going to be around soon, but just the, the hardness to see him in this state is not as important as the realness of the responsibility that I have to him and that the Lord has put in front of me to do it. I thought maybe if I shared that with you all that I would, it would give me the courage to go down this week. You know, but you know what I'm saying though? Like it, it's, it's not about me, it's about all of us. Like the, the, the idea that we would have the eyes and the courage to see it. That, that God wants to work through the tough circumstances. God wants to work through the messiness and, and the sludge of life and just the, the tough seasons that, man, we all have gone through, that we all have, have been through. By the way, that we're gonna have to lead and help somebody else go through one day. Um, we just took my, um, my kids, we came back early, my wife is in St. Louis, pray for her. She, uh, my, my wife, Anna, a lot of you guys know her. Um, she spoke at the women's uh, um, thing that happened a little while ago. Um, her grandmother passed uh, this past week and we were out in St. Louis um, for this. And we thought it was good, even though our kids are young and have every activity to do this week, we thought it was important to take them. And I respect every parent's decision on how to do these, and you got to know your kids. But um, God gave us the ability and just in this circumstance to talk them through it. You know what I mean? Because I think that, you know, yes, we, we need the eyes to see our sin. We need the eyes to see the, the, all the other things in our life that God like, would put in front of us to deal with, that we are so good at ignoring and kind of walking around. You know, but if you have the bandwidth and you have the, the, the you know, ability to do so, we need the eyes to encouraged to deal with them. First John chapter one, verse eight through 10 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is, I, I, I wanted to make sure I said this verse to you because I, you know, like while like just the tough situations in our lives that we don't, just every bad circumstance that we go through does not mean that we're in sin. But when God puts us in front of us, that there's the things that like the it in front of us, the, the things that we know that we are avoiding, that we are closing our eyes to, that, that we are just cowarding away from. When we start ignoring it, then it becomes what? Then it becomes sin. So we need the eyes and courage to see it. Then we need the heart to own it. Man, we need the heart to own it. We need to have the, the when it comes to accountability, like what, what the, true, the true essence of accountability is ownership. Like, like, like this is mine. Like one of the best things about our church now is people are starting to call church at the well, my church. And I'm like, I get back, I'm like, oh snap, like this is, this is happening. Like it's no longer Dane and Honest Church. It's no longer the church that came up from Clinton. People are saying like, no, like you should come to my church with me. Well, when, when it comes to you and I, uh, um, we have to have the heart to own things. And whether that be sin, whether it be like what we're dealing with and how God is calling us to approach people, maybe even our own families. If we know what we need to be like holding ourselves accountable for, it kind of starts and ends with ownership, doesn't it? Like if we're trying to make excuses about this and, and work our way around things, then we're, you know, we're, we're never going to, reach that full point of accountability. Then we're going to need somebody else to, to keep us accountable. I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, I mean, I used to do this with teenagers all the time to where like, 
you know, I'm like, hey, like, you know, how, how's this going? I know you said that you were going to do better about, you know, respecting your parents and, you know, um, just not, you know, um, like fighting and, 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 and doing the things that you're doing at home. Like, how's that been going? It's like, well, Pastor Dane, you didn't call me on Sunday like you said you were going to. So then Sunday afternoon, I cussed out my mom. So it's really your fault. Well, I'm not grounded for a month now, so I don't, like, whose fault is it, you know? But, like, with just the idea, like, well, we have to own things. Like, like, sure, fine, we could have the people that care about us, and it's great if we're able to make the phone calls and be able to meet up and have coffee and things, like all the accountability things that our churches do. But it's, that has to be in supplement to you and I being able to say, like, yeah, this is my problem. Like, this is something that I'm going to have to stand before God. This is something that I'm going to have to confess. It's something that I'm going to have to actually repent of and move in the other way to. We have to have the heart to own it. And we need the mind and the wisdom to solve it. So we need the eyes and courage to see it. We need the heart to own it. We need the mind and the wisdom to solve it. What's that mean? That means that we have to have the, we have to have the recognition that we can't fix it ourselves. That the sin in our lives or, or the, own, uh, the things that God is calling us to take accountability to or, or we have to deal with, man, it's best done through him. Blessed is he who fears the Lord. That, like, actually, the, the, the wisdom is actually wisdom from God itself. And we can't have that if we don't have a healthy reference of him. We don't have a connection to Jesus. It, it, it kind of starts and, and ends with the idea that we have to have the mind of Christ, the wisdom of Christ to solve it. And then finally, we need the feet and will to do it. I mean, we could have, we could have, a, we could know that we're wrong. We could know that, uh, um, you know, there, there's, uh, that there's wisdom we've had in, in, in fixing our situation. We could even have had the courage to actually look at it. But sometimes it's just too hard to do. Sometimes to ask is just, man, like to actually get in our feet and do it. Is, is, is that tough? Man, I, Dan, if I, I would, there's some changes in my life that God has been calling me to make for a long time. And I know I need to make it. And, I even know people that would help me do it. But the actual step to get me to do it is it's a big step. Yeah, but that's when we go back to the, to the verse. Like, do you, do you trust God's word? Do you believe that there actually is blessing behind those who fear the Lord? Do you really believe that there's blessings to those that are committed to the Savior? That those that, that you know, would, would point towards God and, you know, would say that, like, following you is worth doing the hard things and especially giving up the hard things in our life? See, here's the thing. I, I think, especially, in, you know, in our church, since we're, we're new, I mean, we talk so much about living it and giving it away. But do you know it? You know what I mean? Like, like do you actually know it? And I mean this from, like, from, from, from the person that you, you have the sin that grips you and is weighing you down and it just, it causes you so much guilt and grief to the folks that, man, there's been some tragic hard things in your life and, man, you, you just want some release, you just want some hope, you just want some peace in it. Do you know that we're willing to, to not just, you know, lean into the Lord, fear him and trust in this God who, um, you know, it, it promises to be our hope and our comfort through it. Then we're willing to deal with the things that we, that we need to in, in however way that we're, we're supposed to. If it's sin, it's confessing and, you know, and repent of it for the weight and the, and the hard things that we go through, the tragic things that we go through that we're, God's calling us to, to deal with. Sometimes it just takes a long period of time. But you know what both come in common? 
There's a Savior, there's a Father who promises to be with us through it. There's blessing found there. Blessed is those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those who take God seriously. Blessed are those who have a commitment towards him. Blessed are those who, when it comes to um, holding themselves accountable, they say that, man, I'm willing to see it. I'm willing to own it. I'm willing to solve it. And I'm willing to have the feet and will to do it. Amen? Would you pray with me? Uh, God, we're, um, we're so blessed to um, be at a place and gather together um, to hear from your word, um, even when it's challenging. Um, God, there's not a lot of verses there, and um, the psalmist gets right to the point of saying that if, if, if we fear you, if we have a healthy fear of you, if we, if we look at you in, in comparison to our own selves and recognize that you are transcendent, you are above us, God, and we're willing to uh, give our whole commitment to you. If we're willing to keep ourselves accountable and, and living un, underneath your divine rule, if we're willing to look at our own ways and um, put them underneath of your ways, committing ourselves to you, God, that you promise us blessings. Now, we don't know what that looks like, but we do know that you're the God of peace. We do know that uh, even in our, 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 um, you know, our most daring prayer request that you offer us peace. You offer us help. You offer your presence for us. So my prayer with my, our friends here, our extended, our extended family um, here at Grace Fellowship is that, um, God, in the midst of whatever anyone's dealing with, it may be, it may be sin, it may just you know, be um, tragic situations. Lord, whatever it may be, that you, and you tell us that uh, you want us to invite you into those. Lord, if we, if we, would, you know, if we would deal with them, instead of running around them, and we would have the courage to see it, that you, would, you offer your help. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.